Once upon a time, there was an enchanted forest filled with all the classic characters we know, or think we know. One day, they found themselves trapped in a place where all their happy endings were stolen. Our world. This is how it happened. Hello and welcome to Story Broke. Miserably Ever After. We're your hosts. I'm Mads. I'm Elaine. And we're super excited to be starting this podcast off. Uh, to kick things off, we wanted to let you know a little bit about us. So, um, Elaine, how did you find this show? I found this show when it was a brand new show. We had just gotten Hulu. Uh, and actually this show is the reason why I paid for Hulu without ads. Wow. (laughs) Back whenever that was a brand new feature. I was like, oh yes, I would love to watch my new favorite fairy tale show. Uh, I found this show around this. I want to feel, I want to, I want to feel like, I want to say that this show and Grimm came out at the same time. So before this show came out, I was very into what I called murder TV. I was watching a lot of Bones. I was watching CSI Orange. I was watching Criminal Minds. And this show and Grimm really struck the same chord of dramatic mystery with grave consequences, but also had the heightened silliness of, I say silliness, I mean that in a good way, because I'm a comedian. Yeah. Not intentionally. I'm an accidental comedian. And it, 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 it hit all the right notes for me to be into it because it was... Fantasy violence, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah like I, I was a big Buffy fan. Yeah. So yeah, I got into the show because Elaine recommended it to me. And I will never forgive her because I love slash hate this show. I will say, I will say that the first season of this show, which is what we're covering for the foreseeable future of our first season of this. Yes. Was so, it was almost exactly what I wanted it to be. Yeah, it's and, like a perfect television season. What I wanted it to be, it was so close to being there, but with some like little frustrating moments and I couldn't put my finger on it, but I trusted the show would find itself and keep itself in that perfect little thing of what I wanted it to be. And you know what? It didn't. No, it is an ABC <laughs> show and we should know better than to trust it's ABC. A, it's a TV show. And in order for a TV show to get picked up and stay, it has to have some controversy that keeps the audience engaged and yeah. a little enraged. Yeah. That's why that's why reality TV is such a big thing. You get so mad and you get so used to like hating on these characters. You love hate watch. It's a love yeah. hate watch. So this is also a show that kind of, it premiered in 2011. So this is before, uh, I would say, like the new golden age of television, where long form storytelling is the go-to. So like Game of Thrones is just getting popular. Is that this year? It hadn't been that All long. All I know was 2011, I, I can say this without giving a lot of information, 2011 was a hard year for me. And the end part of 2011 was sort of where I started recovering. It's where I got back into theater. Yeah. It's it's whenever we started our, it's right before we started our improv troupe, uh, Silverbacks. Uh, I was starting to come out of a really dark phase and I wanted the escapism. Yeah. And Once Upon a Time gave me a good amount of escapism. And I had several other friends who were watching it. I actually had a friend call me from Chicago and go, are you watching Once Upon a Time yet? And I was very (laughs) excited to tell him, yes, let's talk about it. I, as a Buffy fan, needed a new show 
where there's a blonde badass just tearing through stuff. And this show is a lot less with the violence and a lot more with the detective work. Mm-hmm. But it was a lot easier for me when I started watching it. And I want to say it was 2013 mm-hmm. because we were up until the Frozen season on Netflix because that's how uh, I was watching it. So let me let me give a little background yeah. onto why Mads and I decided to make this podcast, which yes. I will not call a fan cast. No, I will call this. <laughs> we are podcast. fans. We but... are fans. This is a rant cast. The reason that this rant cast exists is because for the last guess almost decade, yeah. anytime someone brings up Once Upon a Time on Twitter, Mads or I will go, let me tell you about Once Upon a Time. <laughs> it's a show that we love. Uh, despite its incredibly problematic elements. It has some problematic elements. It's also so straight. It is aggressively heterosexual. It is aggressively heterosexual. There are moments when that feels forced. Yeah. It is forced heterosexual. Yeah, I don't I don't understand why everyone has to be a hetero. I mean, I, I guess you kind of just have to shoehorn in your straight plot. Like it was ABC, but... it was Disney, it was it was pre-frozen. Yes. So there was a lot. It was pre-Frozen. I for, I don't know when don't know anything you, came out because I, I did not watch. I did not watch Frozen in the theaters. Listen, I've, I've seen everything after the fact. We are recording this in the year 2020, where time has no meaning. Time is a prison. Time is a prison, and time is the prison in this show. Thank you for the segue. Uh, so we're going to jump right into uh, this synopsis from Elaine. It's just kind of summarize the episode. Here is the basic plot. Emma Swan is a badass bail bonds person with amazing hair and a prickly attitude in the big city. On the night of her 28th birthday, a 10-year-old boy named Henry appears at her door alone, pushy, and claiming to be the child she gave birth to and up for adoption. His sincere pleading convinces her to drive him back to his home in Storybrook, Maine, where the clock tower stands, unmoving and broken. Henry claims that his town is filled with classic fairy tale characters who have forgotten who they are due to a curse placed on them by an evil queen who happens to be his adoptive mother, Regina, who's also the mayor. Once upon a time, somewhere else, Snow White has finally been awoken by her true love's kiss. At their wedding, the evil queen promises everyone in attendance that a curse is coming to take away their happy endings in a world where their suffering will be her victory. Time will be their prison. In desperation, Snow White and Prince Charming turn to the mysterious and sinister Rumpelstiltskin for help. After making a deal for the name of their unborn child, he tells them that the curse will bring them to a new world where they'll forget their enchanted lives and each other. Their only hope The fated savior with a capital S is their unborn child who will return on her 28th birthday and the final battle will begin. Back in the present, Emma is convinced by the actions of the mayor and the pleas of their son to stay for a week. The broken clock tower ticks. I, I love that shot at the end of the first episode when that, that clock moves for the first time. You know, I just look like... That is, I think that was my hook for the show. Was I watched the first episode and I was like, okay, I mean, it's a pilot. It's got it's got its moments. It's got its moments. Uh, but that clock ticking, I was like, ooh, okay, we have stakes now. And I am like here for it. Like the whole time you think, you know, other than the, the fact that this episode, if 
I, I have an interesting thing in my head. If they had shot this episode without any of the flashbacks, this would have been a com- hit a completely different way. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't have been as engaging, true, but it would have been more suspenseful because all the present stuff, you're sort of convinced that maybe this kid is just really deep into his imagination. And it could still be that the flashbacks are just the storytelling straight from the book that he's carrying around. It's yeah. our first shot with him. He's hugging the book on a Greyhound bus and a random lady talks to this 10-year-old alone on the bus. Oh, is that a good book? Uh, and she, she's like, he's like, oh, this, this is more than just a book. You know, it's, and then he immediately notes that he's stolen a credit card, but you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, normal stuff. Normal 10 year old stuff normal ten-year-old in the big city. In the big city. A child from Maine navigated New York like a pro. Is it New York or is it Boston? Because I don't know. I, I said New York because my brain said big city and I've only ever been to New York exactly once and I felt very lost. And it's only because I had a New York friend showing me around that I managed to survive what I remember from that trip. We'll get corrections. I've never been to Boston, but the buildings <laughs> seem too tall. We'll have our corrections or, uh, corner. Yeah, but also if they had said New York, we would know it was filmed in Toronto and be like, oh yeah, it's it's New York because it was filmed in Toronto. Now here's the most hilarious part to me. I've only, ever, in the Northeast, I have been to Connecticut and New York. Mm-hmm. And I've only been to New York because Connecticut has a train that travels straight from like the Branford, New Haven area, to New York. And so I assume that everything is within driving or train distance of New York City in that area of the Northeast. I think... Uh, but Maine is much higher, right? Yeah, like I watch... Uh, I've never been up there, but like, I, you know, someone else can tell me. But I, I think once you go into New York City, you unlock fast travel to other East Coast places. Let me tell you, having been to New York exactly once... Uh, there's fast travel within the city, too. We got around that day. I, I love how this episode introduced Emma for me as a character. Because she comes out, she is wearing the hell out of that dress. She looks amazing. And the shoes are wearing the hell out of her. She cannot walk. But the woman cannot walk. Having rewatched the episode just a couple hours ago, I think that was part of her... That was part of her, oh, I'm nervous, I'm on a date. Because she's on a date, an internet date that she set up. So it's like a, they talked online and she's on a date with this person. So she walks in looking hot and wobbly and nervous. And she plays that nervous thing. So I'm starting to think that that wobbly walk is Emma being Emma. I want to give her the credit for that. Especially because as will come up a thousand times an episode, I'm a huge Buffy fan. And when Buffy started doing... When Sarah Michelle Gellar, SMG, started doing uh, horror and doing other stuff other than Buffy, she had to relearn how to run because she was so used to doing that that intense Buffy run. It's probably, again, why I fell in love with Emma immediately because she has she has uh, big Buffy energy. She's got that yeah. BBE. And uh, <laughs> she just came out and, and I was just like, okay, yeah. Like, if you give her a crossbow, she's going to be set. I'm going to talk into why I'm going to back up the nervous heels walking. Okay, so 
we find out, you know, he's like, let me tell you about yourself. And he's like cute and sleazy in a flirty way. Yeah. Um, and she's like, ah, that's true. And it, it, at one point she, she mentions that she doesn't, I don't have many friends. I'm kind of a loner. That is a very important line. It comes back later. Yeah. Um, she reveals that she's an orphan. She grew up in the foster system. He says, oh, well, you're the sexiest friendless orphan I've ever met. And then she's like, oh, this is fun. Why don't you tell me about yourself? Wait, let me do it and tell me if I get it wrong. And she goes into how he's this horrible person who went to jail and his wife couldn't afford to bail him out. So she came to Emma, who is a bail bonds person. Bail bonds person. Bail bonds person who paid the rest of the money and she's here to collect. And he takes off running, and he's running, and she does the serial killer walk after him out of that restaurant. <laughs> the full-on Terminator and just... That's why I'm like, she knew how to walk in those shoes. She waited for traffic. She took her time. She walked across that street while he fumbled with his keys, and he was running. He should have gotten away, but he's an idiot. And, and she's like, I'm just here to collect, and you should be take, using that money to take care of your family. And he's like, what would you know about family? And this, this was a bad thing to say to a friendless orphan. Oh, yeah. Because she opens it. She's booted his car, which is why he can't get away. Yeah. She opens his door. Which, make a note of that, because that comes back in a future episode. Yes, she booted his car. That comes back. It's funny. Uh, She opens his car door, which he didn't lock, because he's an idiot, as I said. She grabs him by the back of the head, and she justifiably assaults his head against the steering wheel. And her response to, you know, he had just asked, what do you know about family? She she assaults him and she goes, nothing. She knew how to walk in those heels. Fair, fair. So uh, I think after this, we return to her apartment and enter Henri. Well, hold on. Before, oh. before sweet little Henri shows up, she mentioned on her date that it's her birthday. Oh. She gets home. She kicks off her shoes, still wearing the hell out of that dress with her perfect hair. And she opens a little box with a cupcake and she puts a little star candle in the cupcake. Wow. And she's like, another banner year. She closes her eyes, which we assume makes a wish. And she blows out the candle. And as soon as that candle is blown out, there's a knock on the door. Yes. And that's when enter Henry. Uh, but I do want to say, I love that this is her 28th birthday. Her apartment's amazing. Her apartment is amazing. My my apartment at 28, my our house at 28, did not look anything on that level. So uh, being a bail bonds person, it seems a lot more uh, profitable than uh, doing library work. Maybe I should maybe I should jump career tracks. I turned 28 in the year 2012, which as we just talked about was right after a very hard year for me. Yeah. You know what I was doing when I was 28? Community theater. <laughs> How much does that pay? Does community theater nothing. nothing? Remember that time we were supposed to get paid for that one show? And we didn't. We still have not been paid for that one show. Yeah, I don't think we're ever getting the money from uh, Good Times. (laughs) Yeah, but I I was so just taken aback having watched most of the series through. And I was revisiting this episode. And Henry is so tiny. He's so small. Hold on, I'm going to flip papers for a second. Like, I do not. Yeah, I don't think I've seen a a 10-year-old that small. He's so little. Uh, no, no. And uh, as a former camp counselor, he's average 10 year old boy sized. Oh, my God. Because at that age, boys and girls start growing differently. 
And uh, it's freaking cute. I, I wouldn't know about this because... Uh, You've never been a 10-year-old. I've never been a 10-year-old. I, uh, I emerged fully formed from a lotus blossom at age 22. And I've been that ever since. Mm-hmm. And if anyone disagrees with that... Uh, fight you. I definitely don't have pictures of you as like a 19-year-old. Yeah, no, I was, I've always been. You definitely did not have multiple eyebrow piercings. Well, I would get those back if I could. Well, one back if I could. You definitely didn't spell your name without one of the letters. Yeah. Oh, that was my, I didn't even, I don't even go by Mm -hmm. that anymore. Mm -hmm. The only time I get dead named is uh, telemarketers. That's how I know they're not actually a friend. Oh, yeah. It's, like, it's still like, yeah, no, I get yeah, it. No. I but, just went through a legal name change. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> I'm just like, just call me this. This is my name. I am, you had an artsy name at the I time. I had an artsy name. At and the it time. wasn't that the name itself was artsy. It's that the spelling of that name yeah. was artsy. Yeah. So uh, I'm sorry. The episode. I just love Mads so much that I love to talk about them. Little boy comes in. She opens the door. She's like... What the heck is this? And he's like, I'm your son. And Hello, she's like, human child. She's like, I don't have a son. He's like, but you did. You did have a son. You gave me up for adoption 10 years ago. And she's like, busted. Oh, great. Cool. A, a fun moment there was he lays all this information on her. And it was a closed adoption. She should not have been found. Yeah. And so she's like, give me a moment. So she goes into the other room to take a moment. And from the back... From, from the other room, you hear, do you have any juice? Classic 10-year-old question. This was really, like, smartphones were a thing. So it wasn't quite the classic 10-year-old question of, do you have games on your phone? But it was, do you have any juice? Never mind. Found some. She walks back into the room, and this stranger child who barged into her apartment uninvited is drinking juice straight from the bottle. Like... Like he lives there. So I have I have continuity to which issues I said, this. who raised you? Yeah, because let's be like we haven't gotten to her yet, but Regina would not allow she, this. She whenever she introduces herself, like whenever she's trying to be a reasonable person, she introduces herself. She's like, I'm a very strict mother who only wants the best for my son. That doesn't make me evil. She would not. And so that was his rebellion. I'm not around my real, I'm not around my mom. I'm right here with my real mom. I'm a drink out of the bottle like a man. <laughs> because, yes, when we meet his his uh, his adoptive mother. Um, Which is basically next. Basically next. Yeah. He convinces her. He convinces her. Yeah. Okay. She's like, okay, I'm not going to call the cops because you're just going to say I'm kidnapping. But I know you won't do that. I know you won't do that because I have superpower and I can tell when you're lying. And I know you're lying right now. You're bluffing. You're not going to tell them I'm kidnapping. If I call the cops. You're not going to turn me in because you don't want me to go to jail. Look, I just rewatched this episode like oh, yeah, two yeah, hours yeah. ago, man. Yeah, no, no, no. I caught a lot of stuff. So she calls his bluff. He's like, okay, please just drive me home. And she, she's like, fine, whatever. Drive you home. I'm dropping you off and I'm leaving. <laughs> I just want to point out that every time I am drinking out of a wine glass right now. And every time Mads is talking, I am like comedically, slowly painfully trying not to clink this wine glass on the Formica table. So I have I have the uh, soft padded thing on my end that is red to match my uh, I have wine. a Dungeon Master screen in front of me. <laughs> so I don't have that space. Oh, so, yeah. So we took a very short break just a second ago to, to top off our, our wine glasses filled with uh, juice instead of drinking it out of the carton. 
Um, yeah, I, I needed... Uh, Elaine asked me if we had any juice after this. No, we, I offered. To. I used to live here. I just drank it out of the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so, we were just realizing that uh, this episode will be longer than other episodes. Because the pilot episode shoved so many point story plots yeah. into the first episode, which was very... They did it in such a successful way. That whenever I went to rewatch the episode today, I swore this episode had to be over an hour long. Yeah. It was 44 minutes. And also, like, we want you to get to know about us. I, I definitely don't want this to be a show that is uh, like a fan cast where it's literally just a retelling of the episode. Because you can go watch those. But this is going to be our wonderful commentary mm-hmm. because we're both delightful people with high self-esteem. Also, it's the first episode. I'm one of those people who always listens to the first episode so that I can judge the growth of the show from there. Well, I know that other people don't necessarily do that. You have to listen to uh, every single episode of this because otherwise you'll miss the important continuity that will come up about which of my five cats I am currently at war with. So, Who is it today? Is Willow. It, I was gonna say it's it's always Willow. When does it change off of Willow? She's in she's in like her permanent teenage phase. Willow loves me. She's my she's my favorite. Yes. She is a permanent teenager. She will grow out of that when she hits about ten. Like she's, Henry. She's seven. She is not. She is seven years yeah. old. We got her in October of twenty thirteen. That was right before I moved in here. Yep. Hi, I used to live with Mads. <laughs> And it worked out very well. And the only reason I moved out was because we had agreed upon it. Whenever I moved out, everyone was like, are you two okay? I was like, Mads is my platonic life partner. I'm only moving out so that they and their husband can have some time in their house that they own alone. Every surface of this house. Has had Willow's butt on it? Yeah, too. Um, so, back into uh, the introduction of my absolute favorite character on Once Upon a Time. Um, I think pretty much everyone, like, I, I have yet to meet a Once Upon a Time fan who's, like, not a fan of Regina. Like, that's why we watch the show, right? I love the actress. I love Lana. I love Lana. I appreciated. What they tried to do with Regina after the pilot. But we are not there yet. Oh, yeah. She's... she's Here is the, the thing. She's full waspy in the pilot. In the pilot... Wasps. Hold on. Anglo-Saxon Satanist. In the pilot, Henry says straight up, my mom is evil. He straight up says my mom is evil and she doesn't love me. She just pretends to. That is a pilot note. And it also... They're able to... They're able to, like, keep it as canon because something else that emma says after explaining her superpower she explains her superpower i can tell when people are lying yeah henry says well then use your superpower right now am i lying when i tell you that i'm in trouble and my whole town is in trouble and it's based and it's all fairy tale characters and she says believing something doesn't make it true so they're able to keep the whole he believes regina doesn't love her thing yeah but in this episode, we'll get to that. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'm skipping ahead. 
It's. I think it's a little bit rough, and I. I think they do a just, mostly okay job of handling. Just, just to talk about what I'm. Yeah. Just to to back up what I'm talking about. The very original Snow White plot in this. She says she poisoned an apple and tried to kill me because I was prettier than her. They dropped that episode as two. soon as they got picked up. They were like, nope, rewriting that. New. The second episode introduces a real plot. Yeah, and I'm really glad for that because yes. I think it makes. It makes Regina a deeper character. It makes Snow a deeper character. It makes everyone... It it means more in the world that they have an actual backstory. Do I agree with the motivations of some of the backstory? I'm going to be a little misandrist. Go for it. Um, A man wrote that. I'm snapping. There are snaps. (laughs) Like a man wrote that line. Um, There are so many moments where I'm just like a man wrote that line. Uh, Yeah. I could be wrong. We could be wrong. I'm I'm seldom wrong. Because and occasionally, when I am, I refuse to admit it. Because occasionally it can just be a woman wrote that line, but a man had to approve it. So she wrote it for the man. Also, sometimes. Hi, by the way, my pronouns are she, her. They, them. <laughs> uh, I do have to say that sometimes the misogyny, much like the homophobia and transphobia, is coming from inside the house. <laughs> It's just like whenever I'm having my, my body image issues for the day and people are like, oh, no, you look great. And I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. This call is coming from inside the house. Look, I am a I am a curvy plus sized woman who sees herself both at the same time as larger and smaller than she is. But here's the thing. I know I look good, but sometimes I don't know I look good. And I, as we've established, am an elder cryptid. So I don't subscribe to mortal beauty methods, which lets me justify my uh, current hair. <laughs> I love your current hair. I, I love it my hair. looks so good. It's violet. Okay. Yeah. So Regina. <laughs> okay. Let's just skip straight to Regina because there is like the episode, the episode goes back and forth between our present time with Emma and Storybrooke and the, the once upon a time Snow White and Prince Charming get their happily ever after, but do they? We do have to mention two things about their happily ever after. One, the rough wig. The oh my God, first 30 seconds of the episode, we saw the, the lace front of Snow's wig. I saw the lace front and it was rough. And they use the same wig. I, I assume, I can only assume that they use the same wig for every hairstyle because this wig just gets rougher and rougher in one episode. In one episode and over the course of the series. They keep using the same wig. And it just gets worse and worse and i'm like y'all have disney money like i've seen the cgi on this show and it's pretty good they spent all that money on body paint oh yeah yeah for mr gold oh okay his makeup looks great his makeup looks amazing and he he sweats through it and they just let it happen because that makes it creepier are we Uh, at my favorite line of the show are we at your favorite line of the show did we just get back to storybrook uh yeah we're back in storybrook sorry my favorite line is in the enchanted forest when the, the the evil queen regina crashes the wedding we have we have just gotten there okay we have just gotten there okay so they're getting married everyone's there she's wearing feather dress number two there were two feather dresses in this show uh feather dress number two as her wedding dress she's beautiful her her wig is in an updo that is very teased and should look better for your wedding day yeah i just had one your hair should look better on your wedding day uh even if it's hot and sweaty in august i know I have hair. So they're, they're getting married. They're doing their whole thing. Regina makes her, not Regina, the queen makes her entrance. And it the is, queen. Yes. The queen makes her entrance. And she's, her, her entrance line is, sorry, I'm late. 
Uh, she knows how to make an entrance. It was a good entrance. Where did I write this down? I wrote a whole lot on this. Uh, oh, I've come to give you a gift. I missed this line the first time we watched it together. And I missed this line the first time I watched it almost a decade ago. Was someone's like, the queen. And Snow just throws in, she's not a queen anymore. And I missed that line. So I guess when Prince Charming got married, there was some usurpage. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's it's not clear because, as we said, the original plot point of this show was, oh, I'm prettier than her and she hates me. Yeah. And let's be clear, the the political situation of the Enchanted Forest and its, uh, like, uh, relevant kingdom. It's very confusing. It makes no sense. None. And it doesn't have to make sense because this is not, this is not about that. It's, this is about the drama of people in small town England. It's the village of fantasy Europe. Mm-hmm. With American accents, except for except for him. Oh, I definitely made a Powerpuff Girls reference the first time she said, "I need to talk to him." Ugh. In my brain, but okay. So her gift to them on their wedding day was this happy day. You get this day to be happy because tomorrow I start working on the curse that will take all this away, and your suffering is my victory. Which comes to... Power move. Yeah. Is, is this where your favorite line comes in? So she turns to leave. And the, the, the prince, I guess once they're married, he is now technically a king. He's still prince. He's still prince. Prince charming. I don't know. I don't know. He's still charming. He's just charming. Charming. I think they say his name is like... He doesn't say that in this episode. Yeah. They never okay. call him by his name. Right. He's always prince charming. Um, but he decides to throw his sword. As one does at an evil sorceress. But he's a hero. So he can't just, like, chuck it. A he quick has stab to her in the back. Hey! Then he waits for beat. her to turn around. Second beat. Throws sword. <laughs> she poofs away. He misses. I think this is the first time we see this smoke teleportation effect on this yeah. show. Everyone gets their smoke teleportation effect. It's always color-coded. I love it. It's great visual language. I wrote in my notes immediately after this. Idiot. So, so far, it's two for two on the men featured in this show. <laughs> Who have gotten the idiot parentheses from me. Yeah, I think you might have been right earlier that a woman wrote the line for a male producer. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, uh, chucks the sword, she poops away, which, you know, wearing a sword to your wedding is, does send a mixed message, but it is the old and sorry. tiny days. Have you been to a Renfair wedding? Fair. It wasn't even peace tied because he didn't have to at the time because he wasn't at a Renaissance festival that was publicly owned. So, or privately owned on public land. No, I don't know how Renaissance festivals work. I just know I'm not going to any this year. Cricket noise. <laughs> 2020. Blinks. Blinks. Audible blinking. But when we when we finally meet Regina, her her our world counterpart. Um, She's wearing an amazing mayorly outfit. She looks everything she wears is effortless and chic and uh, the makeup that they do for her is so flattering. Uh, she's so pretty. She's the best, most eyelash havingest person. She's so pretty. She's so pretty. <laughs> she made me want to cut my hair that length again. I'm glad you did. Whenever I, first, I mean, I was gro- well, I was growing it out at the time because my hair was like 
past, just past shoulder length, but I'd had it chin length for a long time. And I was like, no, I'm growing my hair out. I just went through a breakup. I'm growing my hair out because he liked my hair short. And then I saw her short hair and I was like, oh, but it looks so good. I could do that again. She just looks, she looks amazing. So. She's, she's so pretty. The, Lana is is gorgeous and her internet fandom i want you to know i agree with you i personally i'm in the camp of the evil queen did nothing wrong ever in her entire life um even next episode like i'm like no no i'm i'm gonna disagree with you there because they actually did write her evil Mm. the pilot episode they did write once upon a time evil queen in enchanted land they they did a good job of writing her evil. Yeah, she's evil but sympathetic. And she didn't get a whole lot of like she got a whole lot of screen time. But yeah. we knew that her major plot, like her driving factor, was making Snow White as miserable as she could possibly be because that was a worse punishment than killing her. That that tracks. That stays. That stays. Uh, okay, so that's the promise. So. We're going to stay in Once Upon a Time land for a little while. Okay. They're married and they're pregnant and they're worried about the queen's threats. Yes. And so Snow White says, we got to talk to him. And Prince Charming is like, mm, he, whew, we don't want to talk to him. And she's like, nope, we got to. He says a really sweet line at some point. Hold up. Wait. You may have to cut this because I have to find this line because I almost cried at this line because I'm very emotional because I'm newly married. Yes. Um, I have to find this sweet, sweet line. Ha! Ah, here is where I get to say my favorite line from the original first episode that we are currently re-recording. So our creative genius comes because we have a very, very simple uh, partnership. Yes. In which Mads is the brain and I am the brawn. I think... I am the uh, wind spirit. May I finish? Sure. Mads is the brain and I am the brawn. Mads comes up with these beautiful creative ideas, but I know that they will take a lot of work. And because they take a lot of work, Mads has to twist my arm over a series of months, sometimes years, to get me to agree to do this project with them. Welcome to Storybroke. And then once <laughs> I am convinced, Mads will have like a week of really productive making sure that they do this thing and then vanish. Mads will not answer my texts. Mads will not answer my phone calls. Mads will change the subject when we are talking. And I'm like, hey, what about that project we want to talk about? And so then I have to be the nagging friend who's like, hey, you already made a Twitter for Storybroke. Are we taping this episode? <laughs> and here we are. I don't know, because the episode skips around more than we do. I hear meowing. I know, I hear Willow. No. That is specifically Willow. No. No? It's not Willow? That's Wedge. What is that the other black cat? No. Oh, God, they sound so alike. No, Wedge is the loud one. When... <laughs> When Biggs meows, it's like this man voice. Oh. Like, it's like, Wedge sounds like like Willow. Biggs will meow and it'll be like, meow. Okay, I need you to remind me what my favorite old time quote is because I don't remember it. No, I just love Granny in the War Room, which I want to point out. Granny's just knitting. Granny is just knitting in the War Room. Granny's actor, Granny's actor, Beverly Elliott actually learned to knit 
So she could be so, knitting as a sight gag in this scene. So they, they go to have a roundtable discussion about the war they have to wage on the queen. And Granny is just freaking knitting at the table <laughs> while she's having this meeting. And I've met people like this. That's so, great. <laughs> also, I want to put out, everyone else in the cast has, you know, their names. Um, Snow White, we know is Snow White because mm-hmm. her last name is Blanchard, which is white. Mm-hmm. And her first name is Mary Margaret, which is extremely Caucasian. Like, who has two ooh, names? Ooh, ooh, want to know something? Want to know something funny? Okay, okay. Emma? E-M-M-A. Mary Margaret? I kept referring to her in my notes as M-M. M. Ah! Ah! Boom! I need my uh, conspiracy wall back here. That's That was something I realized today as I was writing really fast. But yeah, yeah. Um, but Granny is billed as Granny slash Granny. <laughs> I didn't realize that. It's just right. But she's she's Granny Lucas in, mm-hmm. in our world, and uh, I want to not say the real world because I can't accept that this is the real world. Oh, it's not. It's Storybrooke. Oh, thank God. Um, hello, Wedge. If you're hearing any viewing in the background, that's uh, Wedge, one of our cats, looking for my husband. Yeah, other podcasts have their adorable children making audio cameos. So yeah. We don't have that at this moment. We do have cats. We have a lot of cats. We both have cats. I love No matter cats. whose house we're taping at, there will be a cat. We're round going, table. We're at the round table. We're going to visit Mr. Gold. Because we had talked about Oh, right. We him. skipped ahead. We skipped ahead We skipped ahead way ahead. I apologize. We okay. do that. We have to get to Mr. Gold because he is... So, okay. So, yeah. Let's, let's cut back. Here we are cutting back to where we first introduced yes, him. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So, she begs for Charming to let them talk to him. He reluctantly agrees. Um, the, when the soldier is leading them or the prison guard is leading them to Rumpelstiltskin, he's giving them very specific rules. He's like, don't look at, don't look him in the eyes. Do not let him know your name. If he knows your name, he'll have power over you. And so they're like, okay, cool. So they have these like hoods on and they're hiding their eyes. And Rumpelstiltskin like, I know that's Snow White and Prince Charming. You can, you can take your stupid costumes off. You look stupid. I mean, we need to talk about how of... Everyone in the cast. He comes down from the ceiling. He comes down from the ceiling and uh, climbs down. Robert uh, Robert Carlyle, who plays Rumpelstiltskin, Mister Gold, is of of everyone who knows where they're at in the show. He is repellent as Mister Gold. I I find him disgusting, but knows what show he's in when it's, he just... it's amazing because there's a there's a there's a common thing that i get told a lot in theater or i got told a lot in theater because i'm retired uh was just do it as big as you can and i as a director will pull you back if it's too much don't worry that you'll be too much do it as big as you can and he did it as big as he could and the director was like well damn yeah i, <laughs> I don't think they could have pulled i mean he just like the sense from sense. Well, Snow White, Prince Charming, of course I know your names. <laughs> I just, I love his, his this energy. He's, I he, just, yeah. Yeah, no, uh, like, it's one of those things where I'm like, I have never, I I'm, I don't watch a lot of movies. I don't watch a lot of TV, unfortunately. I had never seen this actor before in my life. And I was like, this guy's great. I just <laughs> When a man does a high-pitched voice that's not picking on feminine Yes. Characteristics. Oh, he's he's a full bizarre fake thing. He's and I, a, I love it. He's now, creepy. 
and he's painted gold and sweating. And, and he's so, I, I think they might have did that that glycerin water solution that yeah. makes you look sweaty without like being baby oil. He's got the full uncomfortable, full eyeball contacts. contacts. Yeah, he's got jagged teeth. They made him creepy as heck, and they put him next to like beautiful, perfect Snow White, and the like. It is uh, Jennifer Goodwin. <laughs> Stop saying, that. and it's Jennifer. Jennifer, but yeah, it's a hard G. It's a hard G, like GIF. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I I really love him in this role. Mm-hmm. Um, over the course of the show, I hate Mr. Gold, Rumpelstiltskin, the crocodile. So I hate what they do with his storyline. But love uh, the characterization and, and uh, of the people who switch between their personas in the storybook world and the... The the uh the enchanted forest. I mean, he is like next level. Like you can't you couldn't see it, but as soon as Mads mentioned the switch, I did that whole in breathe in, lean yeah. back, put my hands over my chest in appreciation. Th- this man, like, it's one of those things where if all you had to go off of Henry saying all of these people are storybook characters, and if the first person you had met. Was, if you'd already seen Rumpelstiltskin and then you met Mr. Gold and he's this calm, collected, terrifying, yeah. slightly oily, like mean looking man, that would be the moment you're like, kid, I know you say you're not crazy, but you're a little crazy. Yeah. And it's the thing I, I want to talk about with this character as the show goes on about how much of a mask Rumpelstiltskin is. Oh God. Yeah. Because like, I think that over the top is performance mm-hmm. as that character like that character is a performance oh, well, for the real person we'll get into the whole thing that made him that way at some point too yeah. because that is where we disagree on a whole storyline yeah so so okay so she goes to meet him they just want to know about the queen's plan yeah he's like i will only tell you if you give me the baby's name because we've just established that the name is power does he say child he probably does give me the name i wrote bb a lot uh, yeah, but Snow agrees, and Charming's like, the hell are you doing? It's a three-syllable way to say child. 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 So he, he tells the whole curse, the prison is time. Time will stop. We'll all be trapped someplace horrible. Maine, in the United States of America, where there's terrible yeah, health care. The upper, you know. Everything you hold dear is ripped and will suffer while the queen celebrates her victory. Again, no health care. As we've known from acclaimed horror author Stephen King, nothing good happens in Maine. Nothing good happens in Maine. Only your BB can save us. Save the baby, and it'll come back and find you when she's 28. Save the cheerleader. Save... Wait, different ABC show. Different ABC show. So then Charming's like, cool, we got the information, let's go. He tries to leave without telling the baby's name. This is where we get to see this actor, like, be unhinged Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah. Because he starts, like... he If he could have broken through those... Like, that's the only reason I think that, that that jail could actually hold him and it wasn't just some little ruse he was doing, was that he would have murdered Charming at that moment for trying to go back on the deal. Oh, yeah. Like the the rage and the stuff, it's uh, to me again. He's more frightening than he's horrifying than Regina mm-hmm. because I think Regina is Regina's scared of him. Regina is ruthless, mm. but she's methodical and she 
is uh, a person who plans. I don't feel like she's someone who just does a lot impulsive. She does do some impulsive stuff. I'm going to make a Joker reference. I'm going to make a Joker reference. Regina has a reason for her motivations. Yeah. uh, Rumpelstiltskin's motivations are chaos and hilarity. Oh, I'm so sorry. I was tapping the DM screen. It's it was, speaking, like, really loud. So I apologize. For, okay, let me go back. So Regina's motivation. Regina's motivation is, I want to take all the happiness away from Snow White. Yeah. Rumpelstiltskin's motivation is power and chaos. Yeah. Specifically entertaining chaos. He is chaotic evil. Yeah. Regina is, like, lawful evil. She makes her own laws and she follows them. Neutral evil for me because it's all self-motivated. Like, okay, I, I get, I like, my whole thing for Lawful was she makes her own rules and she sticks to her own rules. She doesn't break her own rules. So that was why I was saying Lawful, but I see neutral as well. I'm deferring to you uh, because you have the DM screen right now. <laughs> That's the only reason. I don't have more... <laughs> While I've been playing D&D longer than Mads has, I still have to turn to my now husband to be like, okay, what do I roll for that? So I don't know. But yeah, so that is their motivation. He is actually like, she has a reason for her evil. His reason is it's fun. Yeah. It's chaos. He loves it. Yeah. So he would have murdered. And so he's like, tell me her name now. And that's when Charming's like, huh. You don't know what you're talking about. We're having a boy because he's a man and he's a prince and his first heir is obviously going to be a man. Speaking of people who have a strong distinction between who they are in Storybrooke versus the Enchanted Forest, there is no distinction with Charming. Charming is the same person. He's the same person. He's just just in a different context. He's just very quiet this episode. Um, To which which Snow White then responds, after hearing Charming go, it's a boy, you don't know what you're talking about. And then all of a sudden she goes, Emma. Her name is Emma. And then he's like, what? It's a girl. This is very important to remember. Because the name is power. Yeah. Something I, I love about this whole franchise is how much words have power. It, it scratches this little library nerd itch of mine where I'm like, yes, language is magic. Language is magic. Language is magic. I used to be a book nerd. Hey, and then my you age, still are. I am a book nerd. I listen to uh, audio books now because I have to multitask or else I have extreme guilt. Shall we get back to Storybrooke? Yes, please. All right, so we introed the clock in Storybrooke. The time is frozen here. Frozen in time, stuck in Storybrooke, Maine. That's what you're going with? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what, that is her line to Henry. <laughs> to Henry. Yeah. Bad things happen when people try to leave. He establishes that. It's very important. That comes in later. Yeah, and it's it's... He doesn't elaborate on that, which mm-hmm. I, I like. I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that they didn't try and establish specifics mm-hmm. of this. Just random bad shit. Enter Archie. Archie's like, "Who's this?" And he's like, "This is my mom." And she's like, "Whoa! I'm just giving the kid a ride home." Yeah, she's so uncomfortable. <laughs> I think we're in the jacket at this point, right? Uh, Archie said. The jacket that gets its own episode. Oh, this is a good jacket. It's this a good is, jacket. It's a good jacket. It's that red jacket. It's a class. This is this is her trademark red patent leather jacket. It is a thing that um, a beauty. It is a thing of beauty. It's a it's a thing that I'm gonna pick at a couple times over yeah. the course of the show because one color grading, mm-hmm. but two the fit of the jacket changes a lot, mm-hmm. and it's definitely because it's 
different jackets for different purposes. That's fair. But it's so clearly a different jacket that I'm just like... But I, as a watcher, a viewer, who just wants to be entertained, I give the jacket a pass. I am an intense theater nerd, so I'm just like, 44 dresses in Silent Hill to get the different grading of her white dress going to red. So Archie. (laughs) So Archie. (laughs) Archie, it turns out, is uh, is Henry's therapist. Yes. And Archie asks, why'd you miss our appointment today? And Henry very obviously lies, because Henry is surprisingly a terrible liar. Henry's like, oh, I had a field trip. And, and Archie turns and says something like, you know, when we lie, we give in to our dark side. Very important. So he leaves, he goes off, he does his thing. Emma gets the address because the kid won't give. I say the kid because she calls him the kid the whole time. He's like, I have a name. Henry won't tell her where he lives and Archie will. He's like, that's your shrink? Well, I'm not crazy. Okay, well, if everyone's a fairy tale character, who's he? Oh, he's Jiminy Cricket. (laughs) And she's like, oh, I could sense that with your lying. I see your nose growing. Well, I'm not Pinocchio. He's his own. He's He's an O.C., he is. An original character. Look at you <laughs> teaching me things. I know the lingo Look of at you. fanfiction.net and archive of our own. And that is actually where the round table thing with Granny Knitting happened yes. at, immediately after that. It is a very short scene so, in which they introduce the magical tree. Yes. Which Geppetto and Pinocchio, actual Pinocchio, who is not Henry, have to turn into something the power to save one person. The tree's power can only protect one person. Then they leave that scene entirely, and then we meet Regina in real life. Mayor Regina. We meet Mayor Regina because we've already met Evil Queen. Yes. We meet Mayor Regina, who doesn't love him. She only pretends to. She's evil, according to Henry. But out comes Mom, running out of the house, worried, sick, and she goes, "What happened?" And Henry, like a twerp says i found my real mom and then he runs away into the house to go to his room where he belongs and gram's there hi gram oh so you're henry's birth mother hi can i offer you the best apple cider you've ever tasted got anything stronger and she just pours her a straight whiskey (laughs) and that is my kind of woman yeah yeah so then we have adoption details we have we have a very important clarification here that gets um, uh, retconned later. Was, oh, the birth father has no idea that he's a birth father. Also, this doesn't get retconned. This is very important. You have nothing to worry about from me. I'm leaving town. I don't want to be any part of this child's life. And then she's like, well, balancing the mom and mayor is tricky as a single mom, which oh. she is saying in a way that's like terrible to Emma because she is blaming Emma. She is being awful to Emma for giving up her child. And to me, for no reason. For I mean, no reason. You've done nothing but benefit from this this woman who knew she wasn't ready to be a mother. Mm-hmm. And that gets into some of where this show is problematic. This show some, is very problematic yeah, about adoption. To give some background on that, uh, my, my father was adopted by his stepmother at a very early age. And that's, that's his mom. Mm-hmm. And that is like a big thing for in my family is adoption is very much considered as valid as bio parents, which is a lot say coming from my dad where we're not super close. But but so I like that pinged alarms for me. And we also have some we have a very good friend uh, who, who was adopted and his parents are his 
parents. His parents are amazing. His parents are his parents. And this show, you can tell that she is trying to get across. This show plays off those old tropes. Yeah. This episode especially. The most, like, this episode, as far as storytelling goes, this episode is an amazing episode, and I understand why this show is picked up. But if we're breaking down some of the themes that are problematic, the main problematic theme in this is how often they throw in Emma's face that she's an awful person for giving up her child. Yeah. Especially the birth mother who happily raised this child, throwing it in her face instead of just being like, I understand where you were from, and I have a child because of you because I couldn't have one of my own. Yeah. You did this... And they do get to it later in the episode that it's not a selfish reason that she gave the child up. But Regina will not stop pushing. I was there when you weren't. Yeah, I think she does her her speech about, like, I did this. There are two. She does this twice. It, it It really bothers me because, one, it's really negative towards adoptive parents mm-hmm. um but it's really negative towards let me towards parents who who give up their their, their kid and uh or to to mothers who give up their kid or fathers who give up their kid it, it just feels really out of place it's very out of date even it's, for even for the 2010s it's it's very out of date for 2011 and it's also out of context and out of date for the rest of the series where so much of it is about found family. It's about love and found family. It's so much about love and found family that early on they really like grab onto this. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the things where I love the show. I hate the show. And it's because I have high expectations. Like I, I really think that they can do and be better so often and it is one of those things where as this is the pilot i understand why they did it because they are still trying to establish that regina is evil yeah and her evil in the storybrook world focuses on subtle manipulation she suddenly subtly suddenly subtly manipulates people into questioning themselves and that is her whole thing like she plays the victim a lot yeah in this and it's but she does it so obviously to us to the viewer but to the people who are in it they feel terrible about themselves yeah. after she has finished talking it happens several times in this episode and as a, as the series goes on i mean i think regina, oh, she still plays the victim a lot but i think regina also sees herself as the victim mm-hmm. and it's another reason why she does I, that's why she's I, such a convincing evil she's a convincing villain because she feels wronged yeah it's what I mean about like when I say that she's empathetic. I don't think she's like she's playing the victim. She's playing it up. Mm -hmm. But I don't think she thinks that that it's all artifice. She definitely feels and considers herself wrong. But we are getting ahead of ourselves. Because in episode one, we know none of that. We know none of this yet. Gotta stop doing this. We gotta stop. We have to stop meeting this way. We've loved this show so long and so. We have to stop meeting this way. Yeah, the pilot is in its own. May I get back to the plot? Please. Okay, I apologize. Uh, Balancing mom and mayor is tricky as a single mom. That doesn't make me evil. Emma says, "Oh well, you know, it's probably his whole storybook fairy tale thing." Regina's completely blindsided. She knows nothing about this fairy tale book. And so Emma explains why Henry suddenly thinks she's an evil witch to her. And then she agrees to leave town. Yeah. And it's such a good moment for for Regina. 
and for Emma, for their dynamic with Henry, mm-hmm. even though it's kind of breaking the Bechdel test. Of well, and here's the other thing. Him. Here's but, the other thing is that there's this very brief moment in all of these one-on-one conversations that Regina and Emma have where they are building what could be a good friendship based on we have this child we love. There are all these moments where Emma is opening her heart to Regina and complete, like she already defers, she already defers all of the motherhood to Regina. She doesn't claim any of it. She's just the birth mother. She just is trying to protect the kid. She just wants the kid to be happy. It's all she wants. It's all she's ever wanted. There are these moments where Emma is opening her heart to Regina and Regina lets her open the heart and then like shove something in the door that is awful, like a stink bomb in the door. And this is not someone that, wronged you in your she hasn't done anything but the threat of her the threat of her yeah and this is when the threat is very clearly established because now henry has shared something Mm -hmm. her son has shared something with emma that he has not shared Mm -hmm. with regina and that that, it's really i think that gets into the, the psychology of regina but it's also a part of why i think uh personally I always kind of root for Regina because <laughs> I, I I can see how that would hurt and how that would be painful. I think that she is unhinged yep. and overreacts a lot. No, there but are I definitely... definitely see the, the pain I'm in not, this moment. I, whenever I say these things to argue for Regina in episode one, I am not arguing for Regina being awful. Mm. I'm arguing for, as a plot for a pilot episode, I see why they did it this way. Yes. They're going to change all of this in the next episode. Because we have to establish these stakes Yeah. to get picked up. Regina's like, cool, you get to have nothing to do with my son's life. She's like, uh, uh, okay. And Emma goes to leave town. She leaves town. She's driving out of town. She is literally driving out of town. As she is driving out of town, it is nighttime. She has had exactly one whiskey. She looks over into her passenger seat, and what's there? The book. The book is there. She calls him a sneaky bastard, which is not wrong. Suddenly, He's a manipulative little kid. He gets it from his mother's. Yes. Both of them. <laughs> that so, is a both. That is not a both. A both. A both. A B-O-F-F-E. Both. Both. He gets it from both of his mother's. He gets it from both sides naturally, honestly. Suddenly, a happy wolf is in the road in front of her car. It's raining. Her little VW bug manages to fishtail. The car skids and crashes into the town name gate. The wolf howls. The book opens as Emma falls unconscious. This was a... Hi, I work with crash accidents. I'm surprised by all of this. Um, I am... While I myself am not a reconstructionist, I do read a lot of reconstruction reports. And this seemed like a low-speed single vehicle accident. And yes, it was raining, and rain does mess with your tires a lot. So, if the spin was bad enough, I guess, yes, yeah, she could hit, if she, but she was buckled in. I don't know. I don't think she should have been unconscious, but I'm not the, I'm, I didn't write it. I, I don't really understand mathematics. I don't either. So. I have a liberal arts degree. But it, it's super like. It's also, like, I'm a layman. All the things I just said, that is not professional advice whatsoever and probably wrong in three ways. We flash to Geppetto, who has just finished making a tree cabinet with Pinocchio's help. The plan was to put a very pregnant Snow White into the tree cabinet as soon as it was done. And here was the line that made me almost cry because she is having she's having second thoughts about being put very pregnant 
near labor into a tree cabinet into an unknown place on her own to give birth to this baby. And he's like, no, you have to do it. It's for the best for everybody. It's okay. I'll still be here. And she's like, but it's 28 years. And he says, what's 28 years when you have eternal love? You will save me as I did you. And that is like the best line Prince Charming ever delivers. In the history of this In the this history show. of this show. I'm tearing up now. It's so Because sweet. I had to pause the show to write it down. And then we have my funniest, to me, one of the funniest scenes in the Once Upon a Time fantasy world. Which she is also very moved by this line. So they kiss and she goes into labor. <laughs> so... Kiss-induced labor is one of my just... It's the favorite thing I've ever wrote. It's such a TV trope, you know, because in reality, they say one of the ways to induce labor is for adult situations. As, As an app about trying to conceive says, one of the ways to induce labor is to do the baby dance. I will say... I hate uh, that phrase. I was uh, two weeks late to my own uh, birth, which I was too. tracks. I should have been born in March. I was supposed to be born in May, and I was born in June. But um, mid June, I I as an infant found the only thing more powerful than sex. My parents started to make a gumbo, <laughs> and the second that roux was done, my mom said, "Oh." <laughs> they were they were planning to induce yeah, so they were making this huge gumbo so they could like have food freeze it yeah like freeze it and have food where they wouldn't have to worry and for those of you who've never made a roux before it takes a while to get your roux to a point where it's just right and it's it's one of those things where i'm gonna say it and cages are gonna freak out you have to get it burnt to just the right level that's not burnt yeah. it has to be just right burnt not burnt you yeah. can't have it be burnt it has to be just right for non-Cajuns, if you've started to do like a recipe that calls for a blonde roux where they're like, put some butter and some oh, flour in a pan yeah. and it, it, it yeah. starts to turn amber. It starts to turn like It's not even, yellow. it's like golden. It turns, yeah. You do that for another 45 minutes yeah, you, and it becomes you, chocolate brown and you it's never perfect. St- never stop moving Do it. not move your face away from the pan. You will burn it. If for one second you look away, it's it burnt. is ruined. Yeah. And I've still never burnt a roux, and I've made three. But I did ruin a gumbo still. We use jarred roux. There's nothing wrong with jarred roux. Jarred roux is regular roux that's already made for you. There's nothing Boom. wrong with jarred roux. Much like my serotonin. Powdered roux, also okay. Much like my serotonin. If you cannot produce your own, store-bought, store-bought is, is fine. fine. All right, so kiss-induced labor. Right as the labor starts, Grumpy is up on a parapet. He's up on a parapet. Or whatever. And he sees the evil clouds of the curse approaching. I just, I, I, I know we're trying to stay on track, but Grumpy the Dwarf. Oh, is, he's been there since the very first episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> because he's one of Snow White's buddies. He's also the major character of the dwarves other than Doc. Who he's has the, to deliver the baby in a couple he's the scenes. the most important character. He has a name that we're about to find out because yeah. the very next scene is M waking up in jail. M is waking up in jail to Grumpy whistling, whistle while you work. Geppetto is a janitor in jail. And he they they mention, they know why, you know, they say something about him being in town because Henry and all this stuff. And it brings up 
kids, you know. And Geppetto laments, and this is Geppetto's curse, that he could, he and his wife tried for years and they could never have kids. It just never worked out. And that is like his biggest sad thing in life. That is Geppetto's part of the curse. It's something that, it does make me think about the show. Whistle While You Work being used in this show makes me kind of think about like... I just want to point out that Leroy is also in his cell for being drunk. <laughs> Leroy, Leroy is grumpy. Leroy is grumpy. Um, are the Disney versions of this story extant in this world? Like, in the storybook world, do the Disney versions of these stories exist? Because it really seems to go back I think so, forth. yes. I think that in Emma's world, where she grew up, yeah. Disney is where all these fairy tale characters were. Okay. And Disney took that and twisted it. So, yes. Yeah. Because, like, for the evil queen, we've got heart ripping later. And, like, we've got, like, the, the darker edges of fairy I don't want to get into tales. heart ripping right now. Uh, Yeah. We'll talk about heart ripping and consent heart in ripping. a different episode. Heart ripping comes in very big in episode two. Comes in bigger in later episodes, but it's a very big deal in episode two, which we agreed not to talk about. Yes. Because we've already taped this episode once, and we talked about episode two more than episode one. Episode two is the show. So. All right. So Graham. So Emma wakes up in a jail cell, and she's like, really? Also, I want to say, she was unconscious when he found her? She should have been in a hospital when she woke up. Car accident? Yeah unconscious she should have been in a hospital not a freaking jail cell yeah maybe a hospital with handcuffs yeah yeah because we live in a carceral state so much more sense but in a jail cell in a jail cell that's rude and it would make sense if regina knew and it was like regina's plan for that to happen but no because regina runs in while Graham is like, oh, well, Regina pours her drink's kind of strong. <laughs> You're drunk. He's calling her a drunk. Graham, yeah. Graham is one of my favorite characters. He's calling her a drunk and it made me mad. Regina shows up going, Henry's missing again, Graham. You have to help me. What is she doing here? And she's like, well, do you know where he is? She immediately blames Emma. And Emma's like, got a pretty good alibi. Locked in a jail cell. So she offers her bail bonds person people finding help to help find Henry, because this is what she does. She's like, well, does he have computers? How do you know about this? This is what I do. What about his friends? Henry doesn't really have friends. He's kind of a loner, which is the exact same line Emma said about herself on that date when we first met her. So she offers to help. She goes to find her computer. She's like, oh man, this kid knows what he does. He cleared his cash, except he didn't. I have this one little chip thing that I inserted in the computer. Here we are. Oh, it looks like he was recently on whosyourmama.org. <laughs> okay, I, I love... Who's your mama? <laughs> That's the best. I wrote it down again. Also, as as a uh, uh, a person who has done a good bit of private browsing, instantly started sweating. The idea that, that could... there's like a flash drive you can insert in the computer that finds your whole cache. Yeah. Again, um, and now this is official because we're recording this for an audience of dozens. Maybe tens. Maybe tens of people. Maybe a whole ten of people. If I die, I want you to incinerate my phone and my hard drive. I have a fireplace in my house. Oh, I love you. I love you too. It's a lot of werewolf stuff. I get it. How long have I known you? Speaking of Ruby. Speaking of, we're not there yet. So, so it turns out, kid... We joked earlier about kids stealing a credit card to get through big city, like a big city kid navigating themselves when they grew up in small town Maine. Turns out he stole the credit card of his teacher, Mary Margaret Blanchard. Mary Margaret. Again, 
we even if we hadn't seen her, we would know this is Snow White. Her name is Blanchard because we're French. We know the only way it could have been more the White is if her name was LeBlanc. I was gonna say two first names that are basically the same name. She's Catholic. We know she's Snow White. She has seven kids. <laughs> well, no, she's unmarried. She has no children. Oh yes, 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 yes. We we become so, from Catholic families. So so as soon as they say this is whose credit card this was, we get introduced to sweet sweet MM. Uh, who is a teacher teaching children about building birdhouses, and she does it by releasing a bird and saying, you know, it's not about keeping them, it's about loving them and appreciating them. If you love them and they love you, they will always find you. First off, aw. Second off, CGI bird. CGI bird. I don't know why we had a CGI bird. Apparently the bird was supposed to be, apparently the bird was supposed to, like, I understand having a CGI bird because holding a bird for a whole scene in several takes would make, take a lot. The, no, the bird but the is bird real. Itself, oh, God. Oh, you're right. Oh, no. The you looked, bird uh, is real, but they CGI'd green. it to be blue. They, it was a green bird that they turned blue. And possibly because the in the school atmosphere, the having watched it today, the blue stood out. Yeah. And it may be because you told me about this the last time we taped this episode. But the blue was more vibrant against the backdrop. Yeah. So that may have been what it was. And you pointed out that instead of giving this teacher apples, they gave her... A pear. They gave her a pear. Oh, and in comes Regina with Emma close behind. Yes. Henry's not at school. Uh, Did you give him your credit card? No. No, she's very surprised by this. He stole it. And then she's like, oh, I should have never given him that book, which makes no sense. Uh, I should, And it's like, you gave him the book? And Regina storms off and knocks off a chair, knocks over a chair. Um, yeah. She's saying what he need, you know, he's lonely. He needed it. He needed the hope of a happy ending. What he needs is a dose of reality. This is a waste of time. And she leaves and she knocks over a chair, which gives Emma and Mary Margaret a chance to have a moment to both try to pick up the chair. And even though there's no reason for this one-on-one eye contact, their one-on-one eye contact as they both pick up the chair is very meaningful and awkward. Emma doesn't know why at this point, but she has a very awkward reaction to looking Snow White in the eyes because no one has said anything about, I just said Snow White, no one has said anything about Mary Margaret's alter ego to Emma yet. But as she makes eye contact with Mary Margaret, she has a very meaningful, awkward eye contact. And I gotta say, like, over the course of the show, I love their chemistry. I love them as best friends. Like, like these two women, like, their their energy is so good. It's very sisterly because they, of the age. Well, they, they, they play very well off of each other. Yes. And they're very supportive of each other. And I do... I love the cast of this show. It's so The cast true. of this show has such good chemistry that two of them got married and had babies. Mary Margaret, most fertile woman on the planet. <laughs> How many kids do they? Oh, by the I way. I think they only have the, two over the course of the I, show. I mean, people, but... people who know this already know that the character who played Mary Margaret versus the character who played, I can't even remember what Charming's name is because she never calls him anything else. He refers Doug to himself. Jones? I don't know. It's in episode two. I don't know. But they actually got married in real life and had several babies, I guess. Several? Several? I think, they, like I said, I think they only had two during recording. But the way they filmed the show, it feels like three seasons where we're putting Mary Margaret Snow White behind ferns. It's and like tables. how I met your mother with, uh, yeah. With Robin, yeah. Yeah. Not Robin. Oh, oh, with, oh. With Willow. What's her with real Willow. name? <laughs> Yes. You made me watch Buffy, but I haven't watched How I Met Your Mother. Uh, okay. You don't have to. Moving on. 
Don't. So I'm moving on. I'm moving forward. Uh, I just like that their eye contact is meaningful and awkward. And yeah. the book was supposed to help. Henry's life is more difficult than just his mother. Why would... He's always struggling with the constant problem that all adopted children are struggling with. All of them. Every single adopted child struggles with, why would anyone give me away? And then she realizes who she's talking to. And she's like, oh, oh, tries to backtrack. And she's like, no, no, I get it. I get it. And she's, I just wanted, you know, believing in happy endings gives you hope. That's it. That's the only reason I gave him the book. And he took it too seriously. So then we flash forward to a rough birth. Oh, yeah. A rough birth as a dark carriage approaches. Depetto says, Depetto. Depetto. says, Depetto Man, oh, that is a different character. <laughs> Depetto comes in in season six as Geppetto's evil uh, third cousin. Let's just cut this whole thing because I don't want to talk about Depetto. I'm leaving Depetto in. Oh, man. I am spending precious minutes on Geppetto. Geppetto says the tree is ready. The curse follows a carriage. The baby goes into the wardrobe with an embroidered blanket. Well, that's the idea. They're going to... So they've just had the baby. Charming is like, well, at least we get to die together. And Snow's like, no, you have to put this baby into the tree to give her her best chance. The tree is ready. The curse is following the carriage. We see Regina peeking out the window, evilly laughing, but we can't hear her, while the storm clouds roll in after her. It's a very good scene. I can hear her in my heart. It's a very good scene. It's great. It's like it's like a 10 second, it's not even 10 seconds, and it's very good image of her like peeking out the window with the dark horseman and the, the clouds rolling in. So Snow White or basically orders Charming to put the baby into the tree. And he's like, no, at least we can die together. She's like, no, the baby is our savior. Like, yeah, the so baby could go in the tree. We'll die together. We have to baby. give her her best chance. She goes in with a blanket that's embroidered with her name, by the way. Um, so he takes a sword and this crying baby and runs off and Snow White breaks down to heart-wrenching sobs. Charming heroically murders faceless soldiers and is gravely injured. He gets Emma to safe, safety and whispers to her, find us, as he closes it. And then he's like mortally wounded. The cabinet is opened by one of the soldiers who just stabbed him. It's completely empty. He sees this, smiles, and his eyes close. Is he dead? Then we flash to the present again. Do we have anything to say about that portion? Because that's just such a good heroic scene. I, I would like to right. point out that he would not stab a queen in the back, but he had no problems with any of these soldiers. Yeah, they're, they're faceless. Soldiers. They're, fa- they're faceless black knights. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. So we're back in the present, and Emma finds Henry exactly where Mary Margaret would say, his place, his secret place. I forgot what it was called because I was writing something else at the time that they said it. Em returns the book. See how I call her Em? Mm-hmm. Um, the clock didn't start, and that's why he's upset. Because she, the clock was supposed to start when she came back, and it didn't. And then he's also like, you know, she's like, well, kid, whatever. She says something bristly. He's like, you don't have to push me away. I know you like me. And don't feel guilty. I know you gave me away to give me my best chance. And your best chance isn't with me. And he's like, just please just stay for a week. Just stay for a week. And we get her background as being abandoned on a highway. She never knew her parents. She was found on a highway. The people brought her straight to a hospital. She was put into the foster system, but they had other kids and they didn't want her. And she was just constantly rejected by the foster system. And that's why she doesn't like family. And she says to him, at least Regina wants you. And he's like, screw that. You were found on a highway because that's where the tree put you. Your parents wanted to save you from the curse. And she's like, your mother wants you. Yeah. End of story. Then we flash again to once upon a time. Snow White, 
painfully has just given birth and she painfully walks through a castle because she hasn't seen her husband in a while. And she finds his unmoving body Mm -hmm. on the floor, bloodied. She begs him to live and she kisses him repeatedly. And he does not wake up. And Regina shows up. Not Regina. Regina doesn't show up. Regina's the mayor. The queen shows up. She's not a queen anymore. Well, the evil queen shows up and says, that's okay. Soon you won't remember him at all. All of this, you won't remember your pain. You won't remember him at all. But Snow White is like, since the baby got away, she's like, you're going to lose because good will always win. We'll see about that. Where are we going? Somewhere horrible. It's Maine. She's going to Maine. A place where oh, the only happy ending will be mine. Bum, bum, bum. Yes. Bum, bum, bum. So then we flash forward again to the present where Emma returns Henry. And Regina thanks Emma. And then Emma thinks that this is like a heartfelt moment. And she, she mentions that, you know, her birthday was yesterday. And she made a wish that she didn't have to be alone on her birthday. And then Henry showed up. To which Regina goes, no, 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 this doesn't mean you're welcome back at all. Closed adoption means closed adoption. I am his mother. He is my son. You don't have any rights because you gave him away. Which is once again, that's where she goes into the whole, I was there with the nighttime feedings. I changed every diaper. Which is where she goes into the terrible trope of evil adopted parent. Mm-hmm. guilting the the lazy the, the lazy mother. birth yeah. mother and it's awful and I hate this moment but it's supposed to establish her as evil which is what leads Emma to ask do you love him? and Regina turns around and goes excuse me? Henry do you love him? And Regina hesitates before saying Of course I love him. And that's supposed to set off Emma's superpower. Like they don't They don't say it it, explicitly. But she has a meaningful Emma face. I wrote down, if you look at my notes right here, meaningful Emma face. For our audience at home, Elaine has picked up a piece of notebook paper with torn edges, and it says in large letters, meaningful Emma face. Regina finds the book and looks at herself in a mirror while hugging the book. Mary Margaret, meanwhile, is caring for folks in a hospital as a volunteer hour thing. And one guy is in a coma. And we, she puts flowers in his room and walks out of the room. And it pans back. And it's Prince Charming. And she leaves. Emma, meanwhile, does not trust Regina. Loving the kid and only wants best for the kid. It's all she's ever wanted for 10 years. Yeah. So she finds a and b at Granny's. And when we get there, Granny and Ruby are fighting, which leads to some of the edgiest Disney lines that we could have in this pilot series. Yes. Which is, uh, oh, basically, uh, I could have moved back to Boston. Well, you didn't, you, wait, hold on, wait. I'm going to find it. So I think it was like, she's complaining about how she could have just moved back to Boston if it weren't for Granny's heart attack. And Granny said, well, I'm so sorry that I had a heart attack so you couldn't sleep your way down the eastern seaboard. Which honestly is really horrible and hateful because if you want to sleep your way up or down any seaboard, the west coast is the way to go. Which I think was part of the dig. 
That was part of the roast. So Emma gets a room at this B&B. Ruby is looking very hot. Emma, so they ask her name and Emma says, Emma Swan. And behind her, someone's like, oh, what a lovely name. And in comes Mr. Gold. A very austere and straight-backed and scary-looking Mr. Gold, who is there for his payment. So Mr. Gold is there to collect what is his, which is his rent, because it's established that he owns this place. Oh, the Airbnb? Not the Airbnb. You know, the B&B? No. This is pre-Airbnb. This is pre-Airbnb. No, he owns this town. He owns this whole town, and he makes sure that as he's leaving that he says Emma's name again because names are power. And it's so weird how interested, I just gave you, it's so weird how interested Mr. Gold is in Emma's name. He repeats it a couple of times. But Emma decides to stay a week and she is given a key with a swan on it. And as soon as that key is handed to her, we flash to the clock tower, you know, the broken clock tower. And the hand moves down one minute. And that's the end of the show. The curse of time is broken. The curse of time is broken because she decided on her own to stay. It's not just that she came into town. She decided to stay and the curse was broken and the final battle is on its way. Which, yeah, and I think that's, not to get too like heady, but I think that's a big part of what makes this show, this show, is choice matters. Yes. And and her active choice to stay in the town is what moved the clock tower forward, which is why the later consent issues made me so mad. I was gonna say (laughs) (laughs) I was like like, what is Mad saying right now? Mad knows I have so many problems with consent in this show. (laughs) So yeah. So the clock moves and that's it. That's that's when the real story can happen. Okay, yeah. here you go, Rufus. Make sure you break it into. I did. I broke it a very small piece. I okay. still have one little piece left. We're feeding the the, the cats. I apologize. Cubes. I was I was I'm supposed to be leaving moments when I break away from story, but the cats surprised me. They're adorable. All right. So, so that is that. This is the most plot out of I hope any episode. Yeah, we we really had to get down to it because there's so much there's information. So much... It's one of those things uh, where, because of how we talk about this show in the future, there was something from every one of these scenes that was important in the future. Yeah. Especially for, here you go, Rufus. This this plot was, this episode was loaded down, and I do feel like, unlike other ABC shows, lost, um, it is used intentionally and planned going forward. So I do want to say, in review, we want to kind of like review the episode, like give it a give it a rating. Um, but I do want to say before that, this is the most watched episode of this series, which isn't always the case. Like people will watch the pilot, but finales will actually have larger viewership on air because people will watch it after the fact through uh, on demand and things like that. But live viewings, this is the most watched episode of this entire series it's a good episode it's a good episode the parts we picked apart were hard to pick apart we had to we had to do this episode twice to figure out what to talk about (laughs) 
but yeah, it, it's we both we both love the show. Um, we want the best for the series, and uh, that's why we're critical of it because we are artists who are very we're, critical of what even we even more than that. We're storytellers. Yes, we are storytellers. We both do improv, and we don't do improv for glory because we're in a small town. We definitely don't do improv for glory or money. We do improv to be storytellers. Yeah. We tell stories. I, I was in a D&D campaign where all I did was use other people's stories to write fake romance novels. We're storytellers. We gotta hit on that one day. Yeah, I will read one we to you one day. We will unpack that later. In review. In review. How would you rate this episode? Well, I would rate this episode, especially as a pilot, I would give this two out of two feather dresses. I agree. I would also give this two out of two feather dresses. Like if there are only two feather dresses to choose from, this gets both of them. At least twice Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, one of those feather dresses does get reused as a maternity wear. The the dress that she was in the glass coffin in, it looks like the same top of the dress that she is in every time she's pregnant. So it's 2.5 out of two feather dresses for me. It's such Um, a good episode. The, the themes, some of the themes were problematic from a present standpoint, but they made sense in the fairy tale world because there are a lot of adoptive step-parent yeah. problems in fairy tales. And also within the context of the show they're trying to build from this. Yes. Um, so I want to say, from dresses... Let's talk about best dress. Um, Normally, hmm. it's Regina. Generally, it's Regina. And you know, this episode... Uh, from our earlier notes, Regina was very well dressed. Regina is but when we, well dressed. When we wrote our original notes when we watched the show together a month ago, we both decided that Ruby was best dressed twice. Yeah, best dressed. Both dress. in the past and in the present. Both of Ruby's outfits were so on point that we had to give her best dressed, which gives Regina next best dressed. And that would be Mayor. Well, Mayor Regina. Mayor Regina. Mayor Regina's very first look when she comes out in this gray, like, pencil skirt thing with this awesome neckline. For once, Regina is next best dressed. Yeah. Because it's Ruby. It was Ruby was best dressed. Okay. So, thank you all so much for joining us. This has been Story Broke. Miserably Ever After. You can find us online at Storybroke Pod. This has been a Your Pretty Fin production. Which you can find it at YPF Improv on Twitter. You can find me online at Thirsty for Naps or by visiting my booktube channel, Madison Reads. That's Reads, R-E-A-D-S. My next episode is probably going to drop a little before this. It is uh, me reviewing and recommending books for my cats. Important stuff. Very. And uh, you can find me on Twitter if you want to at at MikaThud, M-I-C-K-A-T-H-U-D on Twitter. Or if you don't care about what I have to say, you can go on Instagram and look up hashtag Lane and just look at how very pretty I am. She's very pretty. I'm very pretty. She has the best hair outside of network television. It's real good today. It's good hair. It's good hair. All right. Thank you all so much. Thanks. And be sure to check back next time. On Story Broke. Miserably Ever After. Please leave that in. <laughs> Actually, I have a superpower. <laughs> Actually, I have a superpower. 
That's very important. It's very important. We're going to mention it a lot. Yeah. My superpower is uh, I can tell what erotica you download on your Kindle. I don't have a Kindle. <laughs> okay, that's good. 